0: Well, it's kind of difficult to preach after news like that, I think, but uh, we will be looking at the Word of God this morning. Would you please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. In the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 14, and we'll start in verse 1. We are in a series, and we're looking at the different meals that Jesus had with people. And for most of the meals, there's not much significance in the actual meal itself. Of course, there are some very significant meals. But the conversation and the people that Jesus was having these meals with is what we're after in this series. Have you ever regretted having someone over for dinner? last year we asked the staff to come on over for 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 dinner <laughs> it was uh it was a summer afternoon and and it was uh it was a warm day and we have this uh kiddie pool in the backyard and so everyone came on over with the kids and and everything we didn't have them over for dinner before and we knew some of the people uh, rather well, and others we didn't know all that well. And so, as Janet and I were planning the menu, we were wondering, you know, what do these strange people eat, anyways? And uh, Janet makes an e- excellent um, spaghetti sauce from the from the old country, you know, and and uh, um, so it's this Mama Mayetta spaghetti sauce and. And uh, I, we were wondering what would happen if one of the staff members raised their hand and said, um, "Is there pork in that uh, s- sauce?" You know, there's trichinosis. If it, it's not cooked properly, it could infect us all. And then Janet makes this excellent Caesar salad dressing. If you've, uh, it's just the best. I mean, but you know, some of that dressing you put egg, eggs in there and. What would happen if one of the staff members, you know, as we're serving this delicious Caesar salad, says, is there raw egg yolk in there? Because, you know, I just read in the paper the other day that 200 people died of salmonella poisoning. And, and, um, and then, you know, afterwards we would, uh, Janet makes this uh, You know what a Pazuki is? Um, you don't know what a Pazuki is? Uh, oh, of course. It's a, like a half-baked chocolate chip cookie with a scoop of vanilla bean ice cream on top, and it just sort of melts and, and all of that. And, you know, someone would say something like, uh, uh, sk- I'll skip the ice cream because dairy products, you know, they don't sit well with me. And and I was thinking, if all of that happened, really, I mean, they wouldn't be the dinner guest from some place that, you know, uh, you don't really want to think about all, all that often. <laughs> you ever been in a small group or a Bible study where, there is this sort of incessant God talker in there, just an irritating, I mean, it, nothing's going to kill the warmth and the welcoming spirit of a home group, a Bible study, a small group, like a irritating God talker. You know, everything is a hallelujah and a praise Jesus, and and uh, every answer to a question is a scripture, whether it be in context or out of context, and or a Christian cliche, and and then someone in the group, after a number of weeks, takes a risk and shares, gets vulnerable a little bit during prayer, prayer time. And they say, would, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm having this fear and I'm worried about it. And that person just jumps in there and says, oh, 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 um, be anxious for nothing and uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, or they come up to him and they're casting out the demon of worry or something like, like that, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, that just shuts that group's intimacy down right away. No one else is going to share anything vulnerable in that group. Before we read in our text this morning, I want us to think about our scripture, our our text in Luke chapter 14. And I want us to look at it from two different viewpoints. First, we'll look at it from the lens of a Pharisee the way they saw this dinner party going. You see, the Pharisees, if, as you know, were the religious elite. They were eager to do more and to know more than anybody else, and they always wanted to be in the front of the line that came to spiritual things. But I wonder, especially in this circumstance we're about to read, if they regretted inviting Jesus over for dinner. Whenever Jesus showed up to one of the dinners, he was, to a Pharisee, the dinner guest from hell. And as we walk through this text, I want you to see why, to a Pharisee, they might have regretted inviting Jesus over for dinner. Before we read this text, I, I, I want to take a look at, if you were a Pharisee, why you do not want to invite Jesus to dinner. And the, one of the first things... That you think of is that he's going to break all the social rules. He's going to do that. He's not breaking God's laws, but he's breaking the social taboos of the day. I don't know if you've ever done this. You're hosting a dinner party, and, and maybe you invite some church people or Christian friends over, and before you're ready to sit down and eat, you gather everyone together to pray. And I, I don't know if, if this has ever happened to you, but before you eat, you know you pray, and then someone shows up to your dinner party and they're wearing a baseball cap or maybe even if it's turned back around which i'll talk about that in another time but anyways they're wearing a baseball cap and you're ready to pray and you kind of look over and you kind of give him the signal like take that hat off you know that, that sort of a thing but he just leaves it on and then so you start to pray and everyone closes their eyes except for somebody and then as you start to pray someone's talking and everyone's eyes are closed, and then you kind of look up. Your eyes open up, of course, during, during the prayer, because someone's talking, and then you see some people over there starting to get some food. And you're thinking, what, what's going on here? What a rude person. Well, where's the scripture that says you can't wear a, a hat during prayer? Where's the scripture that says you can't eat during prayer, or you can't move around? And we tend to get more upset when social norms are broken, than when the word of God is, is not obeyed. He's going to break all the rules. Uh, why you do not want to invite Jesus to dinner if you're a Pharisee, he's going to break the rules. He's going to insult the guests, is what he's going to do. And Jesus tells him he's going to see right, well he sees right through people, and uh, he'll tell people, you know, I, I know you're just seeking position and status and honor and popularity here. He's not just going to break the rules, the social rules, or insult the guests. He's going to insult the host. He's going to look around at that room and see all the people there and say, I can't believe you invited these people to this party. And then the fourth thing he's going to probably do, from the lens of a Pharisee and from this passage of scripture, why you don't want to invite Jesus over for dinner, he's going to tell the group, he's going to tell that group that some of you are going to either go to heaven or to to hell. Jesus ends all of this by telling the guests that their spiritual destiny is in question. And then you'll say, hey, is it time for dessert now? And that's, from the Pharisees' viewpoint, this is what it's like. So let's look at this text through the eyes of a Pharisee, and it'll be amazing what we see in this text. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 14. It begins this way, one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, and let's stop there for a second, the prominent Pharisee, he was the big dog of the Pharisees. He was the top dog. He was, he was probably a regional leader of Pharisees and the highest level or position in that, in that area or group. So Jesus went to this house of a prominent Pharisee and he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Some of your Bibles, as you're reading it, it'll say that this man was suffering from dropsy. It was a swelling of of limbs or some part of the body. It was physically grotesque. And Pharisees believed that physical ailments were a result of God being mad at you. They didn't want to have the sick or the disabled around. And remember, this was at the house of a regional leader, the top dog of the Pharisees. And what's interesting is, although they didn't want to have the, the sick and the, the poor, the needy, the disenfranchised at their house, their culture prevented them from banning these people from hanging around. So if they showed up, well, they would just be there, but we'd just try to ignore them. Verse 3. Jesus asked the Pharisee and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And so taking a hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. started off pretty bad, this dinner party did. And the first thing he does is call attention to the person that everyone wanted to pretend wasn't there. And then in their minds, he broke a social rule of not honoring the Sabbath. And Jesus, you know, he he always communicated whenever man-made rules get in the way of loving people, then that's a real problem. And now Jesus insults all the guests. Verse 7. And when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. And then Jesus lays out a principle in verse 11, he says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. For them, at that time, the dinner parties were perhaps different than our dinner parties. They would sit around low tables, low to the floor, and they really wouldn't sit. They'd sort of recline on their sides. And the host would be right in the center, or the place of honor would be right in the center. And then the next uh, most important person would be on the host's right side, and then the next most important person would be on the host's left side. So they would sort of reclining on the side, and then they'd go, and then the third place would be, again, on the right, and then they'd go to the left and the right, and everyone would sit in sort of a, a half circle around this, this table. The irony of this, all of this, is as they're working out the pecking order and seeing who has the higher position, Whose presence are they in? The presence of the Son of God himself. And Jesus observes all of this and says, I see that you're seeking the place of position and honor. And I wouldn't do that, as he insults all the guests. I wouldn't do that because you are not as important as you think you are. And then he insults the host. Take a look at this, verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends and your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus insults the host now and says, this is the worst guest list I've ever seen in my life. is really what he says, and then everyone gets really uncomfortable because he insulted the guests and they think oh okay well that's I'm just invited." But then he insults the host by insulting the guests again, and everyone gets really uncomfortable and you ever been in a dinner party when and when there's that awkward moment, right? And it just the conversation just stops, or someone says something weird, and everyone just like Ugh, I don't know what to do. And it, and then so there's an extrovert in the crowd here in Luke 14, and the extrovert in the crowd senses that awkward moment. And the extroverts, you know what they do? They they try to break the awkward moment. And so this guy says this. He says, "Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God." And he he's bas the person basically says, "Isn't it great? We're all going to heaven." It's sort of like. How are those Lakers doing, right? I mean, you're just trying to break this awkward moment. And so Jesus says, well, I'm glad you bring up the subject of eternal destiny because I got something to say about that. Verse 16, Jesus says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I got to go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. So please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame." Now, remember, these people, the, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, these were not the usual invitees to a party like this. And so the guy comes back and says, Sir, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. And the master told his servant, Go out in the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were, and you could read this as originally invited, I tell you, not one of those who were originally invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now from the lens of a Pharisee, check out how offensive this would be because the Pharisees understood in this story what was going on. They understood that this great banquet was about about heaven. And they understood that the original invitees who were making lame excuses, well that was them. And then they also understood that this expanded guest list were all the people that they reject and look down to. And so they heard this story, and they understood that as original invitees, Jesus was basically saying, you're not going to heaven. So it's no surprise that as we read through the Gospels, this meal in Luke chapter 14 will be the last time that Jesus gets invited to a Pharisee's house. Now, we've walked through this packet passage and looked at it through the lens, through the perspective of a Pharisee. Now, let's do this. Let's switch it up, and let's look at this passage through this text, through the eyes of Jesus, through the lens of Jesus. Because what Jesus is communicating are three truths, and we'll call him the dinner guest not from hell, but the dinner guest from heaven. Jesus loved these people. He loved all of them that he wanted them to know the truth. And so from the perspective of Jesus, the truth teller, let's take a look at this. Number one, the first truth that we can take a look at through this, in this passage is, Jesus would say, the first truth would be, if you want to be somebody, you have to serve somebody. If you want to be somebody, you have to serve somebody. The reason he told them this, the reason he told them to not seek places of honor is because of this universal principle in verse 11. And this principle is this, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you do things and you say things to bring attention to yourself, you're going to be humbled. And if you serve people without seeking attention, then God will lift you up. And not just God, people will lift you up if you serve people without bringing attention to yourself. Here's an example. How many of you shop at a certain store because you want the owners of that store to get rich? (laughs) Okay. No one shops at a store because you're thinking, I want to shop here because I want the owners to get rich. But you would agree with me, the reason we shop where we shop is because we get the best deal. Now, the best deal, I, I think, would be the best products, the best bargain, the best location to your house It's close to your house, or perhaps the best service. That's why you shop where you shop. And as the owners or the, the people working there serve us, then they get rich. It's this universal principle. And that's this universal principle that God set in motion. It's the same thing with with marriage. If you're struggling in your marriage, and I've and I've talked to people who struggle in their marriage and 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 inevitably one of the of the two in this in this marriage they'll say, "You know, all I want is just I want more respect." And I'll say, "Okay, that's it's good." And then they'll say, And I'm not going to show her more respect until she shows me more respect. And I think, whoa, there's a standoff here. And this thing is going nowhere. It's a standoff because nothing will improve with that sort of attitude. This principle is universal through almost anything. And there's nothing wrong with wanting status or power or authority or position or success. But there's everything wrong with going about getting those things in the wrong way. And if you actually get status and power and success, there are great challenges with your attitude as you have those things. So basically, here we are. This, If you want to put it simple, simply, we'll say, serve people and you'll be lifted up. Seek to be exalted and you're going to be cut down this is the truth that Jesus was bringing and this is one of the most profound life lessons you could learn I mean you could you could teach this over and over and over again you could teach them to the young kid you can teach them to the older adults this is one of the most profound life lessons that are out and there's applications across the board if you're a leader at work or in the church or or in a in a in a um, uh, recreational group applications here with this principle if you're in a relationship, whether you're dating, you're married, if there's a friendship, it, application's there. If you're involved in ministry, there's, this applies to that. In the workplace, it applies. In marriages, it applies. In parenting, it applies. In your friendships, it'll apply. When you serve, you learn the key to success and to status and to power. To put it simply, if you want to su- serve, the way to go about this is what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul understands where we we get this idea. He says in Philippians chapter 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing of the Spirit, if you have any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind. He says, be united together. And then in verse 3, Of Philippians chapter 2. He says this Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is, to put it simply, how you serve somebody. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to to write about our greatest example of this in Jesus Christ. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. He found himself in appearance as a man and he humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And when he did that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our greatest example is Jesus. To serve is to put the needs and the interests of others before my own needs and interests. And if I could ever get there, as we work on that in every area of our lives, when we get there, Jesus says the first truth is if you want to be somebody, you got to serve somebody. The second truth that Jesus brings here to this dinner party is, he says, you can choose to receive your reward now or later, but you can't have them both. That's what he says to these people at this dinner party. He says, you're going to get this reward. You can get it, now or later, but you can't say, I want them both. When it comes to good deeds and kindness and service, it's okay to get a reward. But we choose to get it whether on heaven or on, in heaven or on earth. Verses 12 through 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends and your brothers and sisters and relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you're going to get repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When it comes to our good deeds, when it comes to our kindness, the way we live and the way we live our lives, we choose where we're going to get these rewards. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, he says, uh, anytime you give an offering or or you pray, or you fast, if you do those things solely to impress other people, then you've already received your reward in full. And, I, and I, I've i been thinking about this for a couple weeks, and I've been thinking to myself, a, a question of personal reflection for myself. It's It's not a question to to evaluate someone else's behavior. It's just a personal reflection. I've been thinking about this. What do I do that only God knows about, and therefore only God can reward? What's going on in my life that only God knows about? Any good deed or kindness that only God knows about, and therefore only God can reward? Three truths from the dinner guest from heaven. The first is, if you want to be somebody, you've got to serve somebody. The second is, you can choose to receive your, your reward now or later, but you can't have them both. And the third truth, the last one that we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 14, is this. Your invitation to heaven might not come with a rain check. Your invitation to heaven might not come with a rain check. Now, Jesus tells this parable, and and upon the master's invitation to this great banquet in this parable in verse 18, they all began to make excuses to the invitation. The first said, I just bought a field and it might run away, so I better go take a look at it, right? The third guy said, I bought a bunch of oxen and I've got to try them out. The, third, the second guy said that. The third guy says, I just got married and, and I, I, I can't be there. I'm doing something else. And so the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry. He became angry and ordered the servant go out quickly in the streets and alleys and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant says, I I did that, and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, well, go out further in the countryside, in the back roads, and compel all those people to come on in because I want my house to be full. He says, I tell you that not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. When I say no to God, no thanks to God, there might not be another chance. I, it's, the reality is there might not be tomorrow. I mean, we all, we think for us there's going to be tomorrow. I mean, you're already thinking in your mind what you're going to take to lunch and, you know, the tough work week or or whatever is going to happen but god is in control and he's ordained the times and days of our lives and we really we we really don't know we do know that our god is patient and he's kind and he's merciful and he's gracious and most of us have stories of hundreds and hundreds of times, maybe not hundreds, maybe tens of times that God has given us another chance. And, and we say, wow, God has so, got so much grace and mercy. But the stupid thing that we do, because we know that he's merciful and he has grace, is we presume upon his mercy and grace. Our God is patient. And He's merciful and He's gracious. And He's holy and righteous and just. And today, if He's inviting you to cross the line of faith, to go from unbelief to trusting in Jesus Christ, today's your day. This is your day. Or if you've already crossed that line of faith, and he's calling you to obedience, to stop something or to start something. If, if that's where you're at, today's your day. The reality is we don't know what will happen tomorrow. Our God is patient. Our God does have mercy. Our God has an abundant amount of grace. But our God is also a God of justice. He's a holy God and he's a righteous God. Three truths from Jesus the dinner guests from heaven. If you want to be somebody, you got to serve somebody. You can choose to receive your reward now or later, but you can't have them both. And your invitation might not come with a rain check. Let's all stand to close in prayer. Dear Holy Father, we are thankful for this day of worship. You have blessed us abundantly with a wonderful church family, an active church family, a loving church family, a church family that worships together and prays together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the Gospel of Luke, especially as we looked at chapter 14, as we're in this series on the meals Thank you so much that we can extract these three truths from this text today. Father, I pray that you would help all those who hear this word to meditate on it, even to be haunted by it this week as they go through their day. Father, remind them that there is a greater story that's happening in their lives. We feel blessed. We are blessed And we thank you and give you praise for your blessing in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you on the plaza.